Today's scripture is Jonah 1, verses 1 through 16. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where are you from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Good morning. Uh, isn't Jonah a great book? It's a marvelous story. It's a story that, you know, we've all heard since we were little kids, or a lot of us have, and, uh, but it's a wonderful story that reveals the heart of man and reveals the heart of God like few others. It's the only one of all the prophetic books, and there's quite a few in the Old Testament, that's written as a story. It's a narrative all the way through as opposed to a series of messages like the other prophets. But it's a story with profound truth that, because it's a story, can penetrate especially deep into our hearts. Often what's asked when we come to Jonah is, did it really happen? Is it just a parable? Did he really get swallowed by a big fish, etc.? I'm not really going to address that, but I believe it's true, and I just want to read what Jesus says about Jonah from Matthew chapter 12, where he addresses the whole story of Jonah. And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 38, 
He says, some of the scribes and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. If you read that closely, it's clear that Jesus sees Jonah as a historical person who not only was swallowed by this great fish, whatever it was, but also preached to the people of Nineveh who repented. So clearly Jesus sees it as true, as an accurate historical event, and therefore I do too. This summer we'll be looking at four different of the minor prophets, all from different perspectives, but all bringing God's word, all giving us opportunity to hear when God speaks. That's our theme, when God speaks. You see the backdrop here, how it begins in Egypt and goes all the way through to modern times as a reminder to us that God is always speaking. God spoke through the prophets, but he also continues to speak today to us. The question for all of us as we hear God's word, even as we struggle in life and have to deal with the mess that life is, the question for all of us this summer is, when God speaks, how do we respond? How will we choose to respond? In Jonah chapter 1, which you just heard read, God is pursuing a rebellious prophet who is fleeing the presence of the Lord. Jonah pictures the nation of Israel who was constantly fleeing from the presence of the Lord. But more than that, Jonah pictures us. The question the passage addresses is, how does God speak to each of us? And especially when we refuse to listen. And when he does speak, how will we respond? Pray with me. Lord, as we look at this amazing story of Jonah, we thank you that it's so clear how you keep pursuing us. Your love is relentless. Your pursuit of us does not end. Lord, we, may we learn to listen, to respond, to open up our hearts, to surrender to you. And may this passage, this wonderful story, be used to speak to us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this passage, I see four different ways that God speaks to Jonah to pursue him. The first one is simply God speaks through his word. The beginning of the book is the word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. We need to stop right there for a moment. It's amazing that the word of the Lord has come that he has spoken, that he has revealed his will to us. He has not left us in the dark. Throughout the history of mankind, many religions have been developed and many approaches to try to seek God because 
People sense that it's planted in their hearts that there is a God out there. But the question is, how do we get in touch with Him? How do we relate to Him? How do we get on His good side? How do we understand Him? And all the different religions, that's what religion is. It's man's opportunity or attempt to seek God, to somehow find Him. But the glory of Judaism first and then Christianity is that God has spoken. He has reached down to us and spoken reality to us. We have the Bible. We have God's revelation. We don't have to worry or be in the dark or try to figure it out on our own. We have 66 books of the Bible written by many diverse authors, but all in a grand, cohesive theme and theology that reveals the very heart of God and teaches us about reality and who we are, all guided by God so we might know Him and His will. God spoke to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now the question is, did he come audibly? Was it just an impression that Jonah got? You know, sometimes we think, well, wow, if God would speak to me, (laughs) boy, I would obey him. Well, it it didn't work for Jonah (laughs) or most of the saints in the Bible who heard directly from God. And in fact, very infrequently does God speak in a very direct way to the saints in the Bible. If you think about all the times that they had to learn to walk with God and all the time they spent, the times we have that he actually spoke to them were very seldom. You see, most of the time they had to do the same thing you and I have to do, which is seek biblical wisdom, pray, Seek God's will and understanding and then act accordingly by faith as we seek God's direction. I've been a Christian for over 40 years and I can think of three or four times in my life that I've ever sensed that God has really, really spoken to me. And it wasn't audible, but it was an impression that was very powerful to me. But that's rare. It's rare. And yet God is speaking all the time through his word and by his spirit to us. I, the most recent time for me was a few years back when I was struggling a bit with my role here at Cole and struggling, okay, Lord, I, I need a fresh vision from you of what you're calling me to. And I was praying and praying and, and the impression came. It wasn't audible, but it may as well have been because I just heard it as the word of the Lord to me. And it was a simple phrase from John 21, feed my sheep. It was clearly what God was calling me personally to. He was reminding me that my call is to take the word, take the truth, and walk alongside the body of Christ here at Cole and feed you, disciple you, and that we might grow together in Christ. That's, but see, that kind of impression or direct statement from the Lord is rare. The Old Testament saints didn't have the Holy Spirit, but we, at least not in a consistent manner, but we do. And the Holy Spirit's given us to lead us, to guide us. I think it's a truism that the problem for us is not that we don't know God's will. The problem for us is that we don't really want to do what God's shown us to do. (laughs) We're, We're so much like Jonah. So God speaks to Jonah and says, Arise and go travel 
500 miles across the desert into enemy territory to the capital of the Assyrians, the hated Assyrians, and speak a message of judgment upon them. Well, for some reason, Jonah wasn't very excited about that. (laughs) You see, the Assyrians were the dreaded enemies of Israel. They were known as the cruelest nation on earth. And Jonah's contemporaries, Hosea and Isaiah, had already prophesied that this Assyrian nation would be used by God to crush the northern kingdom where Jonah lived. Well, you can imagine that Jonah wasn't real excited about taking a message to them. So what was Jonah's response? Well, he was quite obedient. God said, arise, he arose. God said, go, he went. But instead of going 500 miles east, he was headed 2,000 miles west in the exact opposite direction. Tarshish, as far as we know, was a, was a trading settlement in current Spain. Uh, you know, I've wondered about Jonah. Why didn't he just stay in Israel? Just not go. But I think for him, staying around God's people and around God's temple and uh, around that environment was, if he was going to run from God, he needed to flee. He needed to get as far away from God as he could. Which begs the question, can we really flee from God? (laughs) Of course not. Why was Jonah running from God, really? I mean, it wasn't a very favorable assignment, but I think there's more to it as to why he wasn't wanting to go to Nineveh and share this message. The one other prophecy we have of Jonah is in 2 Kings chapter 14. And he was prophesying to the terrible King Jeroboam, who was an evil, evil king, rejected by God overall. But God came and brought a message of a promise that was a wonderful promise to even this evil King Jeroboam. 2 Kings 14.25 says, Jeroboam restored the border of Israel from the entrance of Hamath as far as the Sea of Arabah according to the word of Yahweh, the God of Israel, which he spoke through his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, who was of Gath-Hefer. So we know that Jonah had been given a message from God to say to this evil king, Jeroboam, guess what? God's going to bless you. You don't deserve it. But God's going to use you to expand the nation of Israel, to expand the borders to their former glory. And it happened. Now you can imagine that put Jonah in a pretty favorable spot with King Jeroboam. (laughs) The prophets normally didn't get to bring positive messages to these evil kings. But he was able to. And I'm just imagining here, but I imagine that brought him a certain amount of celebrity in the kingdom. Hey, he prophesied this and look, we're winning all these battles. Everything's going great. And then God says, oh, by the way, and here's your next assignment. Go to Nineveh to your enemy, Assyria, and preach to them. 
Now, it was a message of judgment, it's true, but to even go there would have meant perhaps the loss of his celebrity status in the nation of Israel. I'm sure he didn't want to mess that up. And secondly, like all Israelites, he hated Assyria. They were the enemy. They had taken some of their land already and they were seen as terrible and evil and he did not want to bring any kind of message to them that God might use for good. In fact, we're told over in chapter 4, that's a huge part of what was, he was upset about. In chapter 4 of Jonah, verse 2, it says, He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he thought, if perchance they should repent, God won't destroy them. God's compassionate and I am angry and upset that God might forgive those hated enemies. See, Jonah cared only about himself, really. He didn't care about anybody else. And in the end, he just didn't like what God was asking him to do. It was too costly, too crazy, too difficult, too painful. So he ran the other way. Are you and I like Jonah sometimes? (laughs) I think so. I think we all are at times, where it's clear God's calling us to something that's difficult to walk through suffering or pain or difficult, and we don't want to do it. I've told the story before of when I was a pretty new believer, about four years after I accepted Christ, and up to that point I remember thinking a number of times, just over and over, wow, if this is Christianity, this is great. I love being a Christian because I'd seen God working in my life and I'd gotten into a good church and great fellowship and got great friends and it was wonderful, encouraging environment and all of that. And I thought, wow, this is awesome. And then I went through nine months of spiritual deadness and dryness. And everything I tried didn't work. None of the formulas, none of the things that I thought a good Christian should do to get those feelings back. Nothing was working. And I thought, this is not what I signed up for. And I was angry. And I told God, I quit. I didn't literally flee. I just said, I quit. I don't want to be a Christian anymore. Well, fortunately, God pursued me like he did Jonah. I love the little book. I'm just rereading it now, a little allegory, Hind's Feet on High Places. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. It's about Little Miss Much Afraid, who's called by her shepherd. She's terrified, but the good shepherd calls her and says, hey, I know you're lame, I know you're afraid, but if you will walk with me, I'll take you to the high places. And I'll give you hind's feet so you can run and skip and jump on the mountains. You will no longer be lame. So little Miss Much Afraid begins the journey and 
the shepherd says, I'll give you two companions to help you on your way. And she said, great, who are they? And he said, sorrow and suffering. She said, I don't want them. (laughs) Can I pick my own? But they begin the journey and over and over again she reaches places where it's dangerous, it's difficult, and it doesn't seem like it's helping her get where she wants to get. And she struggles and has to, in the story, build an altar and lay down her will. It's something God calls us to over and over again, isn't it? Where it's just not working out. It's not what we signed up for. It's not what we expected. And yet God says, trust me. Lay down your will. Don't run away, but be willing to follow me. But we flee because we don't like our companions, sorrow and suffering. We, we flee because we don't like this particular job. It's too difficult. We flee because we don't like this particular marriage and what it's brought into our lives or this child struggles or this health problem or this financial struggle or this person I have to deal with, this ministry, or whatever struggle it might be. Ray Stedman adds to this, these possibilities. It may be a new boss who turns out to be an ogre. It may be neighbors who throw their garbage over the back fence. <laughs> or a tiger of a mother-in-law who comes to live with you. <laughs> it may be a bitter disappointment that crushes you. And your heart aches so that you can hardly find strength for prayer and fellowship. It may be depressing surroundings that are hard to rise above. It may be misunderstood motives. You meant to do good and someone took it wrong. And you have been cut to the quick. Whatever it is, whatever God puts in our lives, we just don't like it. And we don't like the fact that God's will ultimately is that we suffer, that we die to self, that we put others above ourselves, that we learn to love our enemies even when they're Assyrians. That we're called to walk in Jesus' steps into rejection and suffering. So we flee. (laughs) We flee. Maybe we leave and change our circumstances, quit that job and find another one, quit that marriage and find another one, or whatever it might be. Or maybe we just shut down internally and we flee that way, withdraw from God and find that we can't really pray or read the Word anymore. And yeah, we may still go to church and go through the motions, but, but we've, we've put up this wall between us and God. Our hearts are far from Him because we have fled. We're angry. So God speaks to us all the time through His Word. Through His written Word, through His Holy Spirit prompting us, speaking His words to us, His truth to us. But what does God do if we don't listen? Well, he has other ways of speaking to us. And secondly, we see in this passage, he speaks to us through circumstances. If we won't listen to his word, he'll speak to us through circumstances, especially when we won't listen. So, verse 4 is awesome. The Lord 
hurled a great wind on the sea and there was a great storm on the sea so the ship was about to break up. It's clear who's behind this, right? Yahweh hurled a great wind. Just a reminder, when you see most translations in your translations, Lord in all capitals, it's the personal name of God. It's Yahweh. If it's Lord not all in capitals, then it's a different word in the Hebrew, but if it's all capitals, it's Yahweh. Yahweh hurled a great wind. It was such a great wind that these seasoned sailors who are with him on this ship are terrified. <laughs> They've been through a lot of storms, but this was the perfect storm. This is a category five or six or seven, okay? They know they are going to die unless they can do something about it. And they were pantheists. They, they all had different gods that they trusted in. You know, most people have tried to figure out, okay, how do we get in touch with God? And, and in their culture, they just thought there were different gods. Gods of the clouds, gods of the lightning, gods of the water, gods of the land, god of the vegetation, god of the seasons, etc. And so they all had different gods and each family tended to have one god that they especially worshipped. And so they're saying somebody call on your gods and maybe your God is the one that's controlling this mess but we're dead unless somehow a God intervenes. But what we know is God is completely in control. How has God spoken to you through circumstances? How has He gotten your attention through difficult times? Again, I've shared it before but in 2000 I was really struggling with some critical attitudes in my mind I was I I just didn't have a good perspective but I wasn't dealing with it I was just keeping busy keeping busy keeping busy and then God struck me hurled a heart attack at me and put me in the belly of a hospital for five days and at home for a month. And it truly was a transforming time for me. God got my attention. God speaks to us through our circumstances, especially when we're fleeing, but are we listening? The late Rich Mullins songwriter, this is a story about him, it says, More than once the fan asked Rich how to discern the will of God. Rich would listen and then offer an unexpected perspective. I don't think finding God's plan for you has to be complicated, he'd begin. God's will is that you love him with all your heart and soul and mind and also that you love your neighbor as yourself. Get busy with that. And then if God wants you to do something unusual, he'll take care of it. Say, for example, he wants you to go to Egypt. Rich would pause for a moment before flashing his tra trademark grin. If that's the case, he'll provide 11 jealous brothers and they'll sell you into slavery. <laughs> Work for Joseph. Have you noticed how God speaks through circumstances to get our attention? But are we listening? Where is Jonah in all this? Verse 5. Sailors are afraid. Every man cried to his God. They threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it. They're doing everything they can. 
But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, lain down, and fallen sound asleep. (laughs) How could Jonah sleep through a storm like this? Well, what, what a vivid picture of how he's just numbed himself to reality. How he's just shut down and said, I'm not even here. I'm, I'm not going to even face reality. I'm going to shut myself off from God and from everything going on around me. And he's asleep in the hold. When we flee from God, we, we shut down part of our own souls. And that's what's happened to Jonah. We numb ourselves out because we just don't want to hear from God. We can use all kinds of things to do that, can't we? We've all done it. Maybe sleep. Maybe drugs or alcohol to numb ourselves out. Busyness, work. Maybe play. Maybe we just play really hard. Internet, TV, Facebook, pornography, video games, food, exercise. We could just go on and on with all the possibilities that we can use to numb ourselves to God and reality so that we don't have to listen to God speaking to us through circumstances. Notice that Jonah would rather die and have all the sailors with him die than repent. He'd rather die than repent and have all the sailors die as well. What fools... We are sometimes. But God keeps speaking. He's spoken through his word. He's spoken through circumstances. And now he speaks through others, through the sailors that are with him. They pursue Jonah. They wake him up. Hey, get up. Call on your God. Come on. (laughs) Maybe it's your God that's causing this. But somebody's got to get this to stop or we will all die. Jonah doesn't want to pray. They say pray. He wouldn't pray. Jonah wouldn't do anything, but they finally get him in verse 9 to confess the truth about who God is. He said to them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now this was a shock to these pantheists, right? Because they're thinking, okay, there's a God who made the sea and there's a God who made the dry land and there's a God of heaven and there's a God of the storm and a God of this and a God of that. And he says, well, the one I serve happens to be over everything. (laughs) This is a really big God, guys. And they are terrified. You serve a God that is that big? What, What have you done? How could you put us in this kind of situation? It says they knew he had already told them that he was running from his God. So they say, You fool, why are you running? Tell us what to do. Despite Jonah's bad attitude, they still try to save him. He says, you've got to throw me in the water. They say, no, we're going to try to save your life. And they start trying to row back to land, and they try, and the storm gets worse, and they can't make it anywhere. And they realize there's only one possibility, and that's to throw him overboard. And when they do... They're amazed by the awesomeness of God when it, suddenly it's calm and they realize Yahweh's the true God and they worship Him. 
They pray to him and they worship him. God is speaking to Jonah through these pagan sailors. He's in rebellion against God, but here are the pagans doing the very things he should have been doing. Seeking God, praying to God, worshiping God. This is a rebuke to Israel as a nation. And it's a rebuke to us as well. Are we loving God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength? Or is God speaking to us through other people, showing us up because we're not trusting Him? And one of the messages from this is that in our running from God, we always do harm to other people. Now, sometimes we run from God and we just think, okay, I'm just going to shut down and hide from God, wherever that might be, run from Him. And we think it only affects me, it doesn't affect anyone else. What a lie. It always affects other people and it does harm to other people like it's doing to the sailors because of Jonah's rebellion. God in his grace sends people into our lives either to speak into our lives or as examples for us to show us we're wrong and we need to turn. We need to surrender to God, Yahweh, who loves us. That's God's love. He pursues us. He speaks to us through other people. But Jonah still won't listen. Now what will God do? Jonah thinks, okay, they'll throw me over. I'm just going to die. They throw him overboard. He thinks, finally, it's going to be over. Ha, I won. (laughs) So what does God do? Verse 17. And Yahweh appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. God speaks to Jonah through grace. Jonah's attitude is bad. He won't listen to God. He won't do anything. And yet God saves his life. God, our amazing, our loving, our relentless God, pursues us and at the very point in which we most deserve judgment, we most deserve hell. He saves us. He gives us grace. (laughs) What kind of a God is this? A God who speaks to us through his grace when we least deserve it. If our eyes And this is true for every one of us in this room. If our eyes are just a little bit open to reality, every one of us in this room should be overwhelmed by the amazing, completely undeserved grace of God that he has spoken to us. If you really know your heart at all, you know that every minute we deserve hell for our neglect of God, our rebellion, our ignoring him, our anger at God, our running from him, our lack of love of God and our lack of love of others. We deserve rejection and yet here we are, blessed beyond belief. Yes, life's a struggle, of course it is. But we are blessed beyond belief by the incredible grace of God speaking to us and wooing us back to Him. God is speaking to you and to me through His grace. Are we listening?
In verse 5, Jonah's asleep in the boat, in the huge storm that he's in. Is this reminiscent of anybody else sleeping in a boat in the midst of a storm? Of course it is. Jesus, sleeping in the boat, it's narrated in several places, but in Mark chapter 4, verse 37. The disciples got into a boat with Jesus and it says in verse 37, there arose a fierce gale of wind and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern asleep on the cushion and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. Jonah was sleeping because he was running from God. He was shut down. He was numb. But Jesus, the true Jonah, the true Israel, the one who fulfilled all that Jonah and Israel failed to do, was sleeping. Why? Because he trusted his heavenly Father so much. And Jesus is the one who is in us and who says, Trust me. You can be the new Israel. You can be the new Jonah. You can be who you need to be if you will simply trust me and surrender your life to me. I want to end with a couple of challenges from this. Number one, who is God calling you to love that's hard to love? Who are the Assyrians in your life that you've been avoiding and yet you sense God tucking at your heart to reach out and love them even though it's difficult to cross the desert or maybe just cross the street to love them. And then secondly, where are you running from God? Where have you walked away from Him? Booked passage. (laughs) Got on a boat and left His presence somehow. It's time to come home. He's a God of grace. It's time to, like the prodigal son, admit you're a mess and to surrender your life to him. Jesus is the perfect one who offers you grace. He's speaking to you. God is speaking to you. And he says, will you come and just trust me? I know you don't understand everything. I know it's hard. But just surrender and trust. I offer you my grace, he says, my presence, my power, my love. He's pursuing us. Will we listen? I want us to take just a moment silently to pray, to see what the Lord may be tugging on your heart, maybe an area where you've been running from him. So let's pray silently and I'll close in a moment. Oh Lord, you know our hearts. You know how often we simply don't like what you've given us, what you've called us to. But thank you that you continue to pursue us and speak to us through your word, through circumstances, through others, and through your amazing, incredible grace. Oh Lord, may our hearts be softened that we might 
lay our wills upon the altar and continue to walk with you, not away from you, but to you and with you. May we surrender our hearts to you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.